Do you like Banjo-Kazooie and hate capitalism? Well, boy, do I have a game for you. Welcome to the Analog Sticks Podcast, where this week we're exploring, collecting, and hopping nostalgia in ukulele. Let's go. Let's go. Hello and welcome into episode 21 of the Analog Sticks podcast. My name is Rusty, his name is Cody, and this week we're talking about a modern take on a classic N64 gem in Banjo-Kazooie with 2017's Ukulele. Flaytonic's got the gang back together and we're looking forward to diving into this one, but before we do, Cody, how are you doing today? I haven't seen you in like 12 hours. (laughs) I am doing so much better uh, this week. Oh my goodness. So... This week, I, again, didn't have too much time to, like, prep as much as I wanted to for the episode. But that's because I finally, actually, for real, finished my semester. Um, I got four papers done in less than three days. And by the third day of that, I had to take three Adderalls, one for each meal. Um, and then once I was done, I had pulled two all-nighters. And I, I was just fried. But I got my papers in. My grains are in straight A's. Boom. First time Look I did at that you. college. <laughs> Congratulations, Thank man. You. That's awesome. Proud of you. Um, Kept up with it all really well. <laughs> yeah. And then, so what about you, though? I heard that uh, you kind of had something special going on this week. Yeah, nothing too crazy. Um, we worked, you know, all that fun yeah, stuff. Yeah. Yesterday was yesterday was my birthday. I'm 23. Yeah, yeah so that, that happens. It's not really important. If you don't come and happy birthday, that means you hate me and it's official. So just have that in your mind. <laughs> Cody was there. We celebrated. It was a good time. Yeah, I was, was there uh, to celebrate. So I'm already, you know, a better friend than the audience. Oh, yeah, you guys are the worst. No, I'm joking. We <laughs> love you all. Maybe. Unless you're rude. If you're rude, we might not. <laughs> Actually, but those holiday mules we had. So oh. I gotta say, we've it's it's still been insane to see a couple of our videos kind of blow up. Um, if you come to our videos just to hate on us, you're still giving us a view, and you're giving us more feedback than people who just watch and don't say anything. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, those holiday mules we had last night, though. While we do appreciate the haters, they kicked my ass. I'm in a rough spot this morning, but we'll make it work. My Christmas tree's in the background if you're watching YouTube, so that's cool. <laughs> Anyways, I think we can go ahead and start jumping into good old ukulele. Cody, what were your experiences with this game before this week when we wanted to record? <laughs> so this week, um, after I got all that work done, I only I only had like half an hour to just kind of refresh myself on it. But I did put a pretty good amount of time into it uh, last year when I bought it. And I freaking loved it. I got to the casino, so I still haven't gotten to the last level. I haven't beaten the game yet. But from what I've played, it's all been really good. Very few complaints from me. Um, that's all I have to say. That's it. I'm done talking now. I probably have a couple more complaints, but this was one of those games when we first started this. You're like, that's a game that I want to talk about. Yeah. And yeah. today we are here talking about it. And of course, if we're going to talk about a game and the game has a story, I have a burn. Are you ready for this? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right, here we go. 
Wow, this shipwreck remodel's coming along really nice. And look at this cool book. Wait, wh where's it going? The capitalistic COO of Capital B is stealing all the books with the hopes of rewriting the universe. And after turning the page on our journey with the hopes... Well, I can't read. After turning the page on our journey, we're off to the Hivery Towers to retrieve our missing pages. And after adventuring through several stories and collecting plenty of quills, reading between the lines and filling in the pages, we beat the big B and save the world. Amazing. You want to try <laughs> saying it again, or are we going to keep going? I'm just going to keep rolling with that. All it's right. fine. I'm not stressed about it. <laughs> so yeah, this <laughs> game, I mean, honestly, one thing we will go ahead and say is this game is basically a modern take on Banjo-Kazooie. A lot mm -hmm. of the same people that worked on that game, the series of games actually, joined Platonics to make this game a couple years back, and they stayed pretty loyal to the their inspiration of course they didn't get the license but <laughs> i'd say it's basically a modern banjo kazooie and the yeah. story in that sense kind of is similar to banjo kazooie instead of getting jiggies to put together puzzles to save our sister we're getting pages to get our book back to fill in worlds to get our book back it, it's pretty yeah. simple but essentially it cuts the opening cutscene. You begin. It's a cutscene of Yuka the lizard and Laylee the bat. So that's your Banjo Kazooie parallel right there, hanging out on a shipwreck that they're painting and remodeling to live in. You know, like they do. And then this book that they found, the pages start flying away, and they're like, "Hey, let's go get our book back." And of course, shows us Capital B, who is this modern version of Gruntilda with a fever for capitalism, mm -hmm. and his assistant Doctor Quack. He's like the <laughs> they, he's like the 1800s mustache twirling kind of capitalist. Like he's gonna take all the railroads and and buy all the oil. <laughs> he's your Carnegie or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except he's not even like the, the the guy. There's a board of directors that he has to answer to or something. Mm. <laughs> it's all pretty well done, but essentially he's trying to steal all the books with the hopes of getting this magical one book that allows you to rewrite the universe. Of course, Yuka and Laylee just had the one book. And when the one book got taken, all the pages jumped out and were like, "Nope. Sorry, we're you, you the book's useless without us." Yeah. So naturally, we go to Hivery Towers, which is a clever pun. Get used to those with this game. And we get our pages back. It's a 3D platformer reminiscent of N64 era. You go to all the different worlds and you're collecting stuff. It's a modern collectathon. Cody, do you have any thoughts on the story? I mean, it's nothing mind-blowing, but I'd love to hear any thoughts or anything that stands out to you. Yeah, I think late, a little bit later in the episode, I'll want to really get into the background of the game and in its development. And I think that actually really ties into the story the story itself though uh i i really liked it was a fun little it pretty on the nose critique of capitalism it, especially i'd say the the company's own experience with having to deal with licensing and all that um pretty straightforward though great way to just get the plot going into, into those levels overall i thought it was pretty funny though i liked it Oh, yeah. I mean, it is just a simple game, so, I mean, it's more so a vehicle for the gameplay, but I think that they do it really well, and while I didn't get all the way through the story, because I am also pressed for time and whatnot sometimes, believe it or not, mm -hmm. I did enjoy what's there, and it's a nice vehicle, and it feeds really well to the writing, and if you guys have played Banjo-Kazooie, you know that writing was full of fourth wall breaking quips and puns, and there's no shortage of that yeah. here. I think it was... It was seemingly clever clever and whimsical, but it didn't feel like anything too crazy to me. Cody, when, what were you thinking on that? 
when we get further into this episode, once we get past just the pure gameplay stuff, um, do you want to have like a little conversation about capitalism and what the game is saying about it? Yeah, we'll save that for the end. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we I feel like it's a little bit of a controversial topic to talk about something as big as that. But that you know, yeah. that's it's if we want to have a conversation about the game, you end up having to have a conversation about um, you know, what it's trying to say. And it is trying to convey a message there. I think it does a pretty good job, mm-hmm. but it also does a pretty good job in making for an interesting gameplay loop. And another way that they did that was with the writing, of course. Personally, I felt that it got a couple chuckles out of me. I definitely exhaled loudly out of my nose a few times, but it <laughs> yeah. wasn't, wasn't anything like too crazy, deep, intelligent for me. And that's fine. It's not meant to be super deep. It's meant to be kind of lighthearted. Cody, what were your thoughts on the writing? On the writing? Um, I liked it. It was, um, like you said, nothing crazy deep, but not like I was expecting that out of a platonic or a, um, or a rareware type of game. Um, I, I think they did really good with the punny kind of humor, which is what I was looking for, you know, when I'm Mm -hmm. trying to play this essentially Banjo-Kazooie game, spiritual successor, uh, to me, it hit all the right notes. That's yeah, that's all it really does. I personally I kind of had a gripe with the way they set up the writing. It's almost like I wouldn't say lowest common denominator or anything like that, but it is very much you see a character say something and you're like, "Oh, there's a bad pun coming." Next line, bad pun. Yeah, yeah. It's very predictable and I honestly don't think that's a problem, but I mean, I think that could have been just like Maybe a little bit better, but at the same time, it has this level of charm to it that I think I appreciate. And another way they do that is with the characters having each of their own tropes and whatnot, and I think that's good. As far as the actual characters themselves go, we don't have any humans in sight because, you know, why would you? More fun to have anthropomorphic creatures. (laughs) So our main cast, we have Yuka and Laylee. We described earlier the lizard and the bat, and Yuka's Mm -hmm. more so... Hey, we got to get some pages. And much like Kazooie is, Laylee is a lot of quips. It's a little less rude than Kazooie is in those games, but Although it's Laylee, still more quips. If you stand around, their idle animations is mostly Laylee messing with Yuka. <laughs> like <biting laughs> I hadn't even noticed stuff. that. Uh, huh. how, would, so how would you characterize them as compared to Banjo and Kazooie? I mean, they definitely keep with the same general archetype. Mm -hmm. Zooie is definitely much more rude and inconsiderate (laughs) than Laylee is. And I would say Yuka seems much more intelligent than somebody like a Banjo does. Yeah, Banjo already knows what's going on. Banjo was way lazier. And I one thing I will say about their dynamic is I think Banjo Kazooie, I like their dynamic a bit more because Banjo had his little character flaws that uh, Kazooie made up for. Whereas with Yuka Laylee, I think Yuka is almost too good of a character. Like, there's not, um, I don't know, it, it seems like he's a he's a guy that doesn't need much character development. Yeah, I felt like they were both pretty well reeled in and could have been their own character in a vacuum and not had any flaws. Like, if you were to yeah. make just Yuka, for instance, it could have been fine, or just Laylee. But the way that they work with the gameplay and mechanics, which we'll get into in a little bit, is pretty good at, Pretty good that way, I'd say. Hmm. As far as some more of the cast, though, we do have the antagonists, capital B, 
Um, he is the he gives me off some serious like Gru vibes from Despicable Me. <laughs> I think it's kind of a combination oh of gosh. his build. It's a big. It's like a big back, and then he's yeah. like head, and but like the neck goes straight down. I don't even know how to describe it, but. He gives me off some groove vibes. He owns and operates Hivery Towers Corp, which is a nice little play on words, and he's just looking for the one book. Then there's his assistant, Dr. Quack, who is kind of like the sub-antagonist or whatever, and he is a Futurama head-in-a-jar duck with, yeah. like, the doctor little thing on his head. I don't know what you call it. The headband with the little satellite-looking thing. And I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to remember, um, he, he was, like, the president of his own company, and then it was bought out. By capital yes Beast, right yeah i don't know exactly the entire lore i could be wrong if i am correct me in the comments i think he used to just work there as a researcher before it was bought out by ivory towers mm. and there are some other people you met who also used to work for quack core as it was called <laughs> one of them is dr puzz who's an anthropomorphic squid person and she had all of her research stolen by Dr. Quack. And when Dr. Quack's like, hey, uh, Capital B, look at all this stuff I did. He's like, okay, promotion for you. Yeah. And Dr. Puzzle's like, I'm out. Bye. Can't can't deal with that. <laughs> there's there's a bunch of smaller characters like Dr. Puzz as well. There's Rex Stro. We'll touch on him a lot more later. I have some things to say. He's an N64 pol pol polygonal polygonal dinosaur who makes a bunch of references to, you know, 20, 25-year-old games. And I think yeah. that's pretty clever, but I have my gripes we'll get to later. And then there's Trouser, who's <laughs> another <laughs> microchasm of capitalism. He is. He, Cody, what do you like, think? He's like capitalism on the street. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it drives he's a, me He's nuts. a hustler. He, he is a hustler, and I'll say his dedication is very much up there, but like... He almost gives me off vibes like Mr. Krabs, but less yeah. give me a penny, more everything costs you money. I feel you like have I'm, to deal with that. I feel like I'm being scammed when I get new moves from him. Always. And he's kind of an ass. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, and, and then, always... and by the way, for the audience, if they haven't played, uh, uh, Trouser is like uh, Bottles, right? Yes, but not at all like Bottles. Well, in bottles the, was his very... role, he, he's the one who gives yes. you the moves. Yes, he gives you the moves. He tries to sell them to you. He gives you a couple freebies every now and then, which I don't know that he's too happy about, but nonetheless, he's there. He's kind of a know-it-all, and he foreshadows a lot of the games. He's like, oh, I have this one move you're really going to need for the World 3 boss, but you're not ready for that one <laughs> yeah. yet. And he talks on the phone all the time. Like, you'll be in the middle of a conversation with him, and his phone rings, and he gets it out and starts talking on the phone. I'm like, I'm trying to talk to you. You don't need to pick up your phone. <laughs> Granted, it's just an animation, but still, it drives me nuts. <laughs> and we'll get into his mechanic with the selling moves later, but he's a snake that tries to wear pants and talks with a snake lisp. It's all pretty good. You've also got a bunch of other charming characters, like the pigs, who uh, are uh, the Knights of Hamelot or something like that. Yeah. I didn't really connect too much with those characters, but they're also there. There's a few more we're going to miss, a couple that are like one-offs and whatnot. There's a lot of good ones, but... As far as the characters go, they feed into the writing really well, and they all kind of have a general trope they fit into, and I think that's pretty good. Oh, yeah. With that, I think we can go ahead and get into the gameplay. And now this, I think, is what <clears throat> makes the game. This is the good obviously. stuff. Oh, yeah. Yes. So the story and the lore and the writing, they're all good, but in a vacuum, I wouldn't want to sit through any of that. 
personally. I don't know. It's I, I would like it. It's good in that it is a Banjo Kazooie game. It's uh it's rare doing their thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> um so with this though, it is a 3D platformer and a collectathon, much like Banjo Kazooie. And personally, I think that this is a much necessary point to make. It is a much better Banjo Kazooie. Yes. But that's yeah. not to say that it doesn't have flaws. Yeah. I don't know if you agree um, with me there, but I totally agree. I think the well, the flaws for me aren't that bad. I, I remember when I was really playing through it, I just it didn't bother me too much. But you're right in that the controls are I don't know, it's like Banjo Kazooie, except, you know, they made it modern and it actually works. I think the and biggest problem with Banjo Kazooie is that they were still in that era of trying to figure out 3D movement and how to move around in those newfangled 3D games. The camera controls don't Ugh. get me started. I will say, though, I really do appreciate that the camera controls in this game are much better, but I do want to complain about the camera a little bit. Did you we invert good... the X-axis in your game? I did. I need <laughs> to. Because I noticed it because I opened it up and I was like, what is going on when I tried playing? <laughs> I need to play with X-axis Wait, inverted. you play with X-axis inverted? Always. Really? Wind Waker corrupted my brain. What? Wait, what game did this? Wind Waker. <laughs> Gosh. When I did all the randomizers, when I was streaming for like a year, it was always inverted. Now when I go away from it, I'm so used to it. I can't not. <laughs> oh, well then no wonder you had problems. <laughs> no, no, I, I inverted it so it was fixed, but it is a good 3D camera system, full range of motion, but it doesn't follow you at all. Like normally there's a little bit of an assist in most games, well, even did you, like something. Did you know that there's an option to turn that on? I turned no. it, so you were playing off my settings, and I turned it off, because I don't like having the camera follow me. But yeah, you can turn uh, it on, and it has the classic Banjo-Kazooie type following. I didn't want it to be like a full-on, always-stay-behind-me deal, but I wanted it to kind of like, if I'm turning right, don't just have me go to, like, turn the camera slowly to where it eventually gets behind me. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I turned that off. I'm sorry about that. That's That's, that's not fine. the game, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> we're messing with the settings there okay so that gripe pretend i didn't say that part um th there is a feature to snap it behind you with one of the uh the bumpers i don't know which side mm -hmm. it is it doesn't really matter the snap behind is almost like not good <laughs> yeah that's a problem snap behind any, you any snap button should just snap you back like there shouldn't be any waiting time to have the camera slowly crane backwards yeah. like let's say the camera is at a 90 degree angle it is adjacent to your character you want to snap it behind to where it's at a zero degree angle it'll mm -hmm. go to like 20 degrees and then slowly get that last 20 to get right behind you it's Which not is, good it's, it's <laughs> so specific like that that it makes you think they must have spent a lot of time tweaking it and trying to figure it out but i, I don't <sighs> like it though yeah no no matter what they did, I don't like it. Also, it felt a little jittery at times, and there were some times where it, like, spaz out on me completely, which I understand happens from time to time, mm -hmm. but it was very slow to correct, and I don't know if that was because you had independent movement turned off or I on or whatever it was. I don't was. know if you noticed, too. There are some sections where it just it, it takes away your camera control, like certain platforms where it needs a certain angle for you to see what's going on. It'll mm -hmm. put you there, and then you can't do anything about it until you hop off. 
Yeah, and obviously there's the one section, the isometric palace, where your camera is completely isometric and oh fixed my gosh. in one place. Can you can you explain that a little further? Because that we're, part, we're getting there. I was, we're getting there. We'll, we'll get there. Okay, okay, okay. We'll get there. I want to talk about the controls a little bit more beforehand. All in all, the camera's okay. If I wasn't trying to be critical, I probably wouldn't complain. I'd just be like, "Wow, this isn't the best camera ever," but it's fun there. As far as the platforming go, I'd say that the movement itself is good enough. It controls pretty well, all in all. I don't have any big complaints about the jumping and whatnot. Also, I was playing on my computer, which isn't the best for running games. I don't have a lot of RAM, <laughs> and I don't have a custom GPU or anything. I just have, like, factory. So I dropped some inputs every now and then on, like, double jumps and whatnot, and it was really mm. frustrating when I'm trying to go over a void or something, and it's like, no, you just can't double jump right now. So that was a little frustrating at times, but that may have just been my computer. I'm willing to excuse that somewhat. Were you, um, were you able to use a controller, or did you do keyboard and mouse? Yes, I was using my controller. Nice. So. You know, I noticed um, I, I would switch back and forth every once in a while when I was, excuse me, when I was playing this morning. The keyboard and mouse, not as bad as I thought it would be. It's honestly pretty good, actually. I don't like playing any game with keyboard and mouse, personally. That's not... I don't know what it is. That's you. That's a you thing. It most definitely is. <laughs> it most definitely is. Uh, I as will, far as... So I would say, if, you, if you're if you a fan of keyboard and mouse, it, or like you play a lot of keyboard and mouse games, this game is perfectly fine to do so. You don't need a controller. In fact, in terms of camera control, I liked having the mouse... For the camera control better than the controller yeah the mouse is fine enough i mean i were a couple times where i was i'd go to use my mouse on the second monitor but because I, I don't play a lot of steam games in general yeah <laughs> i went to go use my mouse to edit the other thing and it would just jerk the camera to the right i'm like <laughs> oh yeah gotta exit the game to use the other monitor <laughs> yeah so that's that's more me complaining than anything the, the controls are fine but the main reason people play a 3D collectathon platformer isn't for the platforming. It's most likely for the collection, unless yeah. it's not. But <laughs> I love collecting things. And one thing I really want to say is that in Banjo Kazooie, whenever you would grab anything, it completely stops what you're doing. And it's like, yeah, you did it. In this game, it doesn't do that. It's such a small change like that that really moder modernizes the experience. And I love it. Yeah. It's the. It's the same thing as like some Zelda games where anytime you get a certain item, it'll just be like, you got this item! Wow, look at like, that! I think Skyward spoilers. Sword was really bad about that, right? Tweet, tweezer. Teaser, we are about to play Twilight Princess for the show, probably in the next month or so. And that game, every time you would reboot it on the modern version, every time you pick up a rupee, it's like, you got a blue rupee! <laughs> Every time. <laughs> Every time you would reboot the game. Like, if you turned it off and back on, all of a sudden, you forgot what a rupee was. And like, that is horrific. Like, you go to fight Ganon or Zant or something, and you're, like, you know, right at the final <laughs> battle, and then you gotta get some supplies first, and it goes, do-do-do-do, you got an arrow. Arrows can be used with your yes! bow and arrow to fire against enemies. Hold B. <laughs> so the fact that this game doesn't do that is awesome. One of those small things I really appreciate. There's a bunch of small things they did to modernize the Banjo-Kazooie mm -hmm. experience to make it much more consumable, and it really does take it far beyond that, in my opinion. But one thing I will say is the things we are actually collecting aren't as satisfying as Banjo-Kazooie yeah. stuff. 
or really any N64 collectible, if you ask me. <laughs> For me, in, in terms of just the design of what it looks like, it is so much more satisfying to grab a, a big old chunky puzzle piece than it is to get this thin golden page, which looks pretty, but it just, I can't, I can't just hold it above my head and yell, you know? <laughs> One point you made when we talked about Banjo-Kazooie, check out that episode if you haven't already, was that you want to own a Jiggy and put it on your desk. Yes! I have no desire to own a Pagey because it's just like, yeah, no. it's a piece of paper. It's not a fancy, thick, chunky, golden puzzle piece. That should a be... piece of paper. <laughs> now that we have, you know, like, laser cutters and 3D printers, that should be a design must for game designers to, like, physically make your collectible in real life and just hold it and be like, do I like holding this? Is this... This fun to have on my desk. If the answer is no, then you need a different collectible. I mean, even shoot, there's some modern games that do really good with this, like the moons in Mario Odyssey. They yeah. look so smooth and nice, and I want to hold one. Yeah. And even the chunky Power Stars on N64 Mario, Mario 64. Nobody's ever called it N64 Mario. What's wrong with me? <laughs> Just so satisfying. And in this game, I mean, everything that they have, the quills and the ghost writers and all the other collectibles and stuff, nothing is there that I really want to hold, except for maybe one or two things, but that's just me. <laughs> as far as the actual things we are collecting, though, there are a bunch of them, with it being a collectathon. The main thing, your jiggies, your power stars, whatever you want to call them, are the pages. They're the pages of the one book. There's lore behind them. They talk. Yeah. It's fun stuff. And instead of music notes <clears throat> like Banjo-Kazooie, we have quills, which yep. are also not satisfying, if you ask me. They're just there are... too thin. I don't, I don't know how yeah, else to exactly. explain it. It's like a feather. It's boring. I don't want to hold a feather. I've done that before. There's also some stuff like the Ghost Riders, which replace the Jingos, I think it was. Yeah. You collect five in each stage, you get a Pagey. And they're just ghosts. I think their character models are really cool, but at the same time, they're kind of just, yeah, they're ghosts. Some of their locations, <laughs> um, like, they're too hidden for me. I don't want to have to go through a walkthrough to find them, but there's a couple, especially in the glacial level. There's that dude mm -hmm. in, in the prison right at the start. Maybe I'm just dumb, but I've not figured out how to get that ghost out. And it frustrated <laughs> me so much. Yeah, there's been a few things that I've seen, and I'm just like, I have no clue what I'm doing here. It's like, do I need to get a move from a different stage and come back? Those are more gripes we can get to in a little bit here. But as far as the other collectibles go, I'm just going to run through them real quick. There are the play coins, which you can use with Rextro. The Molly Cools, which can allow you to get your transformations from Dr. Puzz. Instead of Mumbo needing Mumbo tokens, you have Dr. Puzz needs one Molly Cool in each stage. Mm -hmm. There are the Playtonics, which are drinks that modify your game, which I think is a really cool feature there. The Butterfly Boosters and the Power Extenders. Love those. Nothing really too crazy there. The Butterflies are something that I would want to hold, I think. Those, those are nice. I like the Butterflies. <laughs> Did you ever have that game growing up where it's like, an elephant with a long fabric trunk and you would turn it on and it would blow air out and butterflies oh. and it would shoot out and you'd have to catch the butterflies you ever play I that i forget what that game's called i know what you're talking about it's a little i i know i can see it yeah. i can't think of the title the butterflies in the game are like that to me like i, I want to catch them all i i really do <laughs> that's so satisfying you just brought back a memory i forgot <laughs> that i had that is awesome <laughs> as far as the uh so we're still on collectibles real quick. I do want to touch on the transformations. That's another kind of Banjo-Kazooie-ism mm -hmm. that is brought back in this game. 
do you like the transformations? Personally, I didn't like them in Banjo-Kazooie, and I'd say I don't really care for them here. I, I don't like any transformation that makes it harder to move. And I know for some of them, that's the whole purpose. Like, the whole challenge is that it's tougher to move, and you have to figure out how to navigate as your transformation. Personally, I, I don't find that as fun. If I if I get a transformation, I would want something that is more fun to play. Like, something that gives you more freedom in your movement. Kind of like how... Uh, in the Legend of Zelda, you can get that bike mount, you know, as DLC. That's an example of a, a change in movement that, to me, is really fun. But yeah, anything fun. that that slows me down or becomes more awkward, unless it is, unless it's, we were talking about this, I think, in Octodad. If if a game's whole gameplay is tough movement, I'm fine with that because that's like. I'm signing up for that, you know. But in a game yeah. like Ukulele, where it's all about platforming and moving around, uh, any any kind of thing that makes it harder to do, you know, the purpose of the game, just is less fun for me. Yeah, I agree with you entirely. And if they made it feel good, I wouldn't have a problem with it. But that's one thing with this game in general. There's a lot of things where they take you out of the reins of Ukulele. And they put you into a different mini game or side mode or something, and it makes it a lot less fun. Mm -hmm. There's another example. There is Kartos, and they make a good God of War pun with it. And the you basically have to run an on-rails section, and it is miserable to control, yeah. if you ask me. A lot of this stuff is not good. And there's Rextro, who I've mentioned. We're going to talk about him now because <laughs> I don't like him. As a character, he's a nod to being like, oh, remember the N64 and polygons and arcades? It's a cool concept. However, they make you play arcade games that are just awful. <laughs> he, his character just made me think about how old millennials are getting. Yeah, it's so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't really have anything else to say on Rextro other than the games that I did play from Rextro. I hated them all. Mm -hmm. Also, your camera's I'll say frozen, from, but I'm not worried about you know, that. It's been a while since I played. The whole Rextro stuff is not that memorable. I don't remember it that much. Um, what I the do one remember that stands is out. I avoided Kartos, Rextro, any of the racing stuff. If I didn't have to do those, I wouldn't. Um, and I was telling you earlier, I skipped the entire isometric tower in in the glacial level because i just didn't want to do it i i ended up almost 100 percenting the first level uh the jungle before even considering expanding the ice level because i just hate ice levels so much i mean usually i don't mind ice levels too much this one really got under my skin because it felt like the ice physics were just there to make it harder than it needed to be like, it felt like when the developers were making some of the challenges, particularly in the isometric palace you're talking about, mm -hmm. they did it with normal physics and said, okay, this is how much time it should take. Oh, we forgot to put the ice physics on. Let's throw that on. And then they didn't change the scaling. Yeah. And it's just like, why is this so hard? It doesn't need to be this hard. Let me... There were many times in the isometric palace where I was yelling at the computer because I'm like, this does not need to be this hard. I want to have fun and I'm not having fun. Yeah. Let, let me bring back the, the conversation we had off mic uh, the other day when we were talking about this at first. I think when you were playing it and you were texting me. Uh, in ice level, to me, it's like, it's like the piece of candy in a variety pack that no one really likes, but we all just kind of accept it because it comes with everything else. It's like the, 
this is my opinion. So I know I know some of you guys might disagree with this. It's like the orange starburst or the freaking the green skittle when they changed it away from lime or like the watermelon Jolly Rancher. You know, you get the whole pack because you like the candy, but they always have that one flavor that's like, really? Like, does anyone like that? What's the research on that? <laughs> that's the glacial uh, that's that's the ice levels why do developers keep doing ice levels i don't because it's, it's a video there, gameism tell me in the comments if you're a big fan of ice levels if you love to slip and slide on some ice and you think that's a fun way to play let me know in the comments because if i don't see that in the comments that's proof to me that no one likes an ice level ice levels are not fun <laughs> they're just they've never been fun no. a link to the past the first ice level i think that's the first ice level that was a cool concept we didn't need to keep doing it after that <laughs> i will say this is and, i'll make a distinction here i like winter or ice themed levels i like the vibes of a cold place i don't like ice levels as in making everything slippery and more difficult just just to do it you know Yes, 100%. Ice physics are not fun. And another thing they put in the ice level here that really irks me is an extra cold section where just every few seconds you lose health. Mm -hmm. And there's a way to not be vulnerable to the cold, but it's it's just one of those challenges that they put in, and it's artificial difficulty, and I really don't like it. I, yep. ugh, I don't like it. And speaking of ice physics, there are a couple gripes I have with the actual physics of this game. Was this a Unity game? An Unreal game, rather? Ooh, let me look that up. For I don't you real know, quick. but a lot of the physics of the objects, while it works well and it is more realistic, I felt like it kind of intruded on the gameplay at times. Like when you break a barrel before it fades out of existence, sometimes you'll get blocked by the collision of the broken barrel pieces, and I thought that was a little bit much at times. Mm. It wasn't anything I wouldn't have like. I'm not like, oh, this physics engine's so intrusive. It was just like. I would not do that, personally. Ah, yep. It was a Unity engine. I, I could tell. Oh, and actually, it feels like uh, it. so I'm reading this article here. I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you good listeners some, some real info. This is, this is the tea. The game was there delayed because of technical issues in working with Unity. I believe it. <laughs> Especially it feels when like it came it. to porting to the Switch. Ugh. It feels a little rough at times. It's uh, not all... It, it, again, I have gripes, but it wasn't like... It didn't make it unplayable or anything. Oh my gosh. There wasn't anything that makes it unplayable. I did enjoy my time with the game. There were just multiple sections where I'm like, come on, this could be better. Let me... Another can thing I, that I, didn't can I read like, a quote out for you? Go for it. All right, so I'll, I'll cite my source. This is from IGN.com. The title is Ukulele Switch Release, held up by engine problems. Here's the quote. We've encountered some final technical hurdles and have been waiting for the arrival of Unity 5.6 in order to fix them. Although this has now been released, it has unfortunately introduced other issues which we are working with Unity to resolve before we can submit to Nintendo and lock in our release timeline. So they had to... God, good lord, they had to wait for Unity to update so they could fix some issues, and then that update caused issues. That's tough. <laughs> I mean, you can kind of feel it a little bit. It didn't, like, I mean, it dampened the experience, but it wasn't, like, stopping wet. It looked like they'd wrung it out and let it hung out to dry, but it's still, like, 
when you take a, a jacket out of the dryer after washing it, that one sleeve was all balled up, uh, so uh, it's a little yeah. damp. That that's what we're dealing with here. <laughs> yep. And uh, overall, just I, I wish it was a little bit different, but at the same time, I don't have any solutions. So who am I? Yeah, it, it was <laughs> one a thing kick- I did want to talk about. It was a Kickstarter game, so I think they it was a really successful Kickstarter. But even with the amount they raised, I think it still would have cost too much to develop their own engine for the game. Most definitely. It, it really would have benefited from its own engine. Oh, most definitely. You're right. One thing I did want to talk about, though, is the move set. Uh, with yeah. Banjo-Kazooie, you know, you have your move set, all the different moves that do all sorts of different things, and they kind of progressively teach them to you. Bottle serves as the tutorial there. There's a couple in the stages, and then most of it's just Spiral Mountain. This game handles the moves same but different. Like, mm-hmm. they do slowly teach you more moves. However, it's much more spread out and progressive. Mm-hmm. Also, Trousers sells you the moves, and I hate that. <laughs> like, I yeah. felt like at times that was the only reason we were collecting quills. Because this game isn't meant to be 100%ed the same way Banjo-Kazooie was. It doesn't require you to collect 95% of everything to be able to beat the game. It's kind of, yeah, you move at your own pace, and you may need to go back a couple times to pick up a few things here and there just to make up that little difference. It's more like a Mario 64 progression than it is Banjo-Kazooie, if you ask me. But yeah. Yeah. with that, the only reason we're collecting quills now is to buy moves, and I feel like that's not the best way that could have been handled. I liked it when if you collect all the quills in Banjo-Kazooie, you get a jiggy for that, but... With there being so many quills and the levels being so big, we'll get to those in a little bit, they couldn't really do that. And I didn't like having to buy them personally. Yeah, I think that's one... It's almost like a weird compromise they had to make. And I feel like by... With Banjo-Kazooie, it was a -a collect-a-thon... It was a true collect-a-thon in the sense that they expected you to collect everything and it was realistic. It It wasn't super crazy to try and do that. I feel like one... One definite issue with ukulele as compared to Banjo-Kazooie is how the game itself admits that it's not super fun to go and collect every single item. And and they do that admission through not requiring you to collect it all to, to, uh, to progress. Like the fact that I, mean, I could skip the entire isometric tower to, to get further in the game. I even have to deal with that part of the level. And... I, I'm glad I didn't have to because I didn't want to do that part, which I think is just really too bad. Yeah, that's one thing I praised about Mario Odyssey is that you don't have... If there's something you don't want to do, you don't have to do it. Yeah. But at the same time, with the Collectathon, I feel like I should want to do everything, and there's so much that I don't. It really dampens the experience there. Another thing I was saying, I want them to like just give us more of the moves from the rip. Like, There's a few things that they hold back that I just really didn't like. Mm. But with the way that they make it to where Trousers in a central location, usually towards the start of the level, and then you have to go to him and buy stuff, if you're exploring to get quills to buy moves, you're going to walk past a lot of the challenges that require certain moves and be like, oh great, so now I have to backtrack a little bit. Granted, it does feel good to move around in this game, so it's not too big of a deal to backtrack, but... I just felt annoyed when I saw something and I'm like, oh, I need a different move than the one I just bought to do this thing. Yeah, one there was a better way to handle it. One thing that would probably change your opinion a bit is the fact that at some point you just get the ability to fly wherever you want, and then once you do that, then backtracking to get some of those harder pieces is way easier. It's a, it's almost like you get to a certain point 
where the game's just like, okay, just go, just go grab them, whatever. <laughs> I mean, that was another thing though. This should have reminded me of this with the Unity <laughs> engine and mm -hmm. a lot of the way that collision detection and whatnot works. I felt that there were some certain walls and geometry that I could just kind of... I could tell that this was not the way I was supposed to get to an objective, but I don't know if it was my inner speedrunner or just, like, I don't want to do the convoluted way. I'm just going to kind of climb up this wall. Oh, I love that. And I would do that. that. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> there was one section in the first level where you're climbing, like, this little pyramid structure kind of thing, and there's one little block that's meant to look like it's a little jutted out, and I'm talking like a few pixels jutted out, but you could yeah. stand on it for like a split second before you'd fall. I would like jump out and around to get onto it and then jump out and get onto the top of the platform that I wasn't supposed to be able to get on until I had a move from another area. Granted, I didn't get anything up there but some quills. Yeah. But it was still like, again, that's just a problem with the engine more so than the way that it works. But I feel like they could have made it like one... Usually the way collision is handled is that there are tiles that are marked as floors, tiles that are marked as slopes, tiles that are marked as walls, stairs, everything. Mm -hmm. They shouldn't have put a floor tile on that wall, or they shouldn't have made it a slope or anything. They shouldn't have made it something you can stand on. Because you can make a wall tile horizontal and you can't go on it. Mm, gotcha. But they didn't. They made it a floor or a slope or a stair or something else. Which was just a different way to handle that. That is one thing with the engine that I see could have been done differently. But at the same time, if they were waiting for it to update, I understand why they didn't. It's a small thing. But also at the same time, I do appreciate that because I felt like, oh, I'm doing something. I'm This is different. I'm special. <laughs> yeah, well, so I was just going to say that. I really like when the game allows you to just mess around like that. When it, when it lets you feel like you're getting away with something. I always appreciate doing that. I do feel that it wasn't intended, though, at all. Oh, no. <laughs> hey, so what's a game without a some unintended features, right? Like, there was one section in the tutorial before you get the Hybrid Towers where I noticed you could just completely skip an objective that they, like, wanted you to not skip. <laughs> <clears throat> like, there's this whole big loop, and at the end of the loop, it's, like, a big wall that, like, lets you drop back down that you can later go up once you learn the move. I jumped on the fence, and you could just jump around the wall. Yeah. <laughs> and just get to the um, early. So, any, is there any more you want to say about the move set? I think I've gotten it out there. There are a lot of really cool moves, and I think the way that they use the modern controls is very innovative for this genre. And I think they did a really good job. There were no yeah. moves where I'm like, ugh. I, I gotta say, so. so, you said that you don't like how they introduced the moves. I really liked how they did it. Um, I prefer not to have them all laid out right from the start or from the get-go. It's because, mm -hmm. for me personally, it, if I get all the moves at once, I'm going to find whatever I like best and then just stick to a couple moves. And I'll totally forget the rest even exist. By having the moves introduced more slowly over time, uh, for me personally, I ended up using all of the moves uh, a bit more because I got, my, I got the time to, to learn each one and, and get more used to it. And then with Trousers, too, I didn't mind buying moves off of him because when I was playing Banjo-Kazooie, to me it almost felt too easy to just have bottles give it to me. Uh, it, it did feel nicer to have to kind of work for my move. Yeah, but I would have liked it if he was at each challenge and it's like, hey, figure something out to do this instead of, yeah, you go to the center, buy a thing. Yeah, a, a, um, a 
some kind of challenge would have been nicer than just buying it off of them. Yeah, I, I don't know. But I think they could have handled it a little differently. But in the in the end, it wasn't that... I'm trying to nitpick. Again, I had fun with this game. Yeah, well, uh, that's always... That's one part about how we record this podcast that always um, is... I don't want to say I don't like, because we're, we're recording and this is how we do it. But the, the only downside to how nitpicky we can get is sometimes I really like a game overall, 10 out of 10. But then we nitpick it, and it might come off that we don't like it. And then I'll end the episode, and I'll be like, oh yeah, town out town. I love this. <laughs> After like an hour of nitpicking it. <laughs> I will say this one wouldn't get a 10 out of 10, but at the same time, this wasn't the game where I'm like, I need to get this over. Like when we did Billy Hatcher and the Giant Egg, episode 2. Y'all gotta watch that, classic please. for the fans. <laughs> that one... I did not like that game. I was trudging through it in the end. I'm like, <laughs> I just want this to be over. Yeah. This game, I, I want to go back and play it. I don't know that I will. I don't know that I'm going to have time. I'm not dying to get back in. But on like a, a Saturday when I have nothing to do, yeah, sure, I'll pop in ukulele and I'll have a good time with it. Yeah. Another thing that really did lead me to having a good time was some of the actual levels. And we haven't even talked about the world at all. Okay, so yeah, <laughs> let's, for this ending part, um, no more gripes. Let's gush about how good the music and the levels are and how it looks. Oh my god. The music is so whimsical. It's, it's Grant Kirkhope again, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. It's, yeah, it's him Grant doing Kirkhope. His thing. Do we even need to say any more? It's so good. Um, I really enjoyed it, but <sighs> we said no more gripes. It did get a little stale in a couple places over time. Mm. Maybe like it looped a little too quickly. I don't know exactly what it was. But I felt like I'd heard it, and it was kind of still going. Mostly because we're spending more time in these levels than we were in, say, a Banjo Kazooie. That's, that's but exactly it wasn't like, it. yeah, it wasn't like overbearing to the point where I'm like, God, this song is so annoying. It was always fine. It's just kind of like, okay, when's the next part? So I felt like I'd heard it all before. So the the biggest difference now that you bring this up, I'm just gonna throw us right into this. The biggest difference right. between <laughs> Ukulele and Banjo Kazooie is that there are there are less levels in Ukulele. And I think it is better for that, honestly. With with Banjo Kazooie, the amount of levels it has, there is there's always a couple levels to me that just kind of blended together, and they mm -hmm. they weren't distinct enough. Um, or yeah. there might have been times where the levels seemed too small, and I wanted more out of the different themes. Whereas Ukulele does a really good job at having just a few heavily themed levels that let you you know, expand it more, and it just has great content themed specifically to it. And that was another thing I really wanted to praise, is when you first get to a level, it's definitely bigger than a Banjo-Kazooie level right from the start, but it's mm -hmm. not overwhelmingly large. It's still enough to, for you to be comfortable and go exploring. Yeah. But once you collect enough, you can back out of the world and then use a couple more pages to expand it. And I think that's a really nice way to slowly gradually increase the scale of a world rather than being dropped into a massive open sandbox it's a smaller one and then you already know this base area hey we're adding an extra one square mile around the perimeter of it have fun with that and there's yeah. a lot of new areas and challenges that come from it i think that's a really great way to handle level design and i haven't seen anything like that before i love it I love it. As for the actual levels themselves, I know that there were a couple you liked and a couple you didn't. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'll let you run with it. Awesome. Uh, Shipwreck, I I like more than Spiral Mountain. Uh, oh, I don't wow. Know. I feel like that's a hot take. 
that might be a hot take. I didn't grow up with Banjo Kazooie, so I don't have the same nostalgia for Spiral Tower. Although I I understand that it's a very iconic beginning level, but I really mm-hmm. like Shipwreck. I I think it's a lot of fun to run around. It's I I just like the vibes. I can run around Shipwreck and feel good about it. <laughs> oh yeah. And then uh, I noticed there were a couple of things with Shipwreck where you can go back with some moves and get a couple of things done there, but from the beginning there's not a whole lot. It's just run around and get comfortable with the controls, and I like that. Uh, and then Tribal Stack Tropics, I really liked. Booty um, Maze Marsh is, is alright. It, it was cool. It, it's a level. It's one of the it, levels. It is. Um, Capital Casino, I, I really liked it. I know... Uh, yeah, I've seen reviews online. People really didn't like that one, especially some of the, some of those mini game sections like the cart, uh, is not that good. But I thought it was a lot of fun to run around in. It's very open, um, very big. It can feel empty at times, but with the with the new move sets where you can just fly around, I think that was, that that works out pretty well. And then, unfortunately, both of us couldn't get to the last level, could we? I definitely didn't. I only got <laughs> through the first three. And one thing, I, if we're going to jump back real quick, mm-hmm. I'm surprised you didn't like Moody, Moody Maze Marshmore because I know personally that you were a big fan of Bubble Gloop Swamp and Banjo-Kazooie, and it what? instantly gave me the same vibes with the pumpkins and all that stuff. I don't know. Some, I thought, of, the, I some of the was water good. stuff I wasn't as big into. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I really did not like the glacier at all, but I loved Tribal Stack Tropics. And, you know, usually I'm big to criticize a game for having, you know, rolling green hills for the first level. It's just too basic and simple. I don't know, boring, whatever. I love it, man. I'm officially, you know what? The first level's always fun. It's just chill. Yeah. You get to have fun with a good game. You know if what? the controls I... are good... A Green Plains level is warranted and appreciated. I, I think a Green Plains level is a classic first level because that's just where we all want to be. That's like the natural human state to just exist in rolling green hills. I mean, we talk about wanting to hold a collectible. Mm. How about wanting to be in a world? I would never want to be in the glacier or the marsh, but you yeah. give me those lush green hills, the tribal stack tropics. Oh, give it to me. Dude, I, in I'd my be climbing veins. all over that place. It just looks so nice. Ugh. But yeah, as far as the world design goes as a whole, I think the our general thoughts are pretty much out there. Tribal yeah. Stack Tropics, good. Expansion, good. All right, and then... One more thing I did. Mm-hmm. You can go. No, no, I, wanna, I wanted to bring up the next topic. Oh, I just wanted to jump back real quick for a yeah. second. I know we've already moved on, but one thing I was complaining is anytime they took you out of just straight ukulele controls and put you into a minecart or a cardos... Cardos, not Cardos. Yeah, Cardos is the minecart. Or a Rextro level. It really dampened it. But there were a couple of minigame challenges where you're still controlling as Yuka and Laylee. And I thought that those were phenomenal. Like in the Tropics, for instance, you have to race a cloud. I loved that. Because you're still using those same good controls. Yeah. If you take that away, it's not good. But I just wanted to get that out there. I just popped into my head. <laughs> so you, you can move on. You're good. We're good. All right. Last topic. Um... I'll talk a little bit about my own background knowledge of how this game came to be, and it has to do with that story we were talking about, that critique of capitalism. Uh, so Platonic is based off of Rareware, which is the game company that developed Banjo-Kazooie, GoldenEye, uh, Donkey Kong Country, and then Conquer's later... Conqueror's Bad Fur Day? Hmm? 
Conquer's Bad Fur Day. Ooh, that's right. They also made that. That's got to be one we do an episode on. Uh, and then oh, yeah. later on, they also made Viva Pinata, and then the, the Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts. That's an intense <gasps> game. We ought to do that as an episode one day, too. One day. One <sighs> day. Uh, but so basically, there's... there. You can... When you look at it from a viewpoint like that, you can split it up into two eras. There's Rare as they worked with Nintendo, which was freaking S-tier, best games ever. They, I mean, they made some of the best games on the N64. They were just as good as Nintendo in terms of developing games, you know. And, and then, then there was a corporate buyout. And then they got bought by Microsoft. And, oh boy. Viva Pinata, fantastic games, in my opinion. I grew up with those. Those are great. Nuts and bolts, eh. And then you get to it's some of the other junk that they had to make from Microsoft, and you can see why a lot of these developers jumped ship and just de- made their own company, Platonic. Where then, when they wanted to make another Banjo-Kazooie, Microsoft owns the rights to that. They can't get the license for it, and so when they develop their game, they have to make their own they have to make their own spiritual spin-off, their own bootleg, so to speak. And so capital B in a lot of ways, you can almost see the him as representing Microsoft and how mm-hmm. companies, especially I feel like you see this nowadays, probably since like the 80s with a lot of deregulation. There's a big problem with big companies just buying other big companies and companies keep buying and buying and buying each other until you end up with just a few massive companies who control everything in its market uh and that's you know that's never good for capitalism that's just anti-competitive and that game kind of i think that game does a really good job at making fun of it just uh just making them look goofy (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) and the way that they did it as well they made it a one of the best kickstarter projects ever i would say yeah totally (laughs) and it's really cool because they didn't get it it was crowdfunded like you're saying and it was it wasn't. Yeah, we're we're putting all this money into development. It's hey, we'll make a game if you guys want it. If you guys want it, and mm-hmm. people wanted it. This unfortunately, is, this is a true communist game. <laughs> unfortunately, the reviews were very divisive at the time. They were. But, I, I mean, even now, I feel like a lot of people. I, I give it way more leeway than than I it really deserves <laughs> because I like this kind of game. It, it's not the the same classic that Banjo Kazooie is. It's definitely not. It's a modern take on a classic, and mm-hmm. I think that it's a solid game, but I can understand why all those people who don't like it don't like it. I see that there are flaws and things that could have been fixed, but for a crowdfunded project, I think it's very, very good. And I mean, yeah. if you were to rate this on a scale of 1 to 8, 1 to 8, yeah. I, I mean, I'm thinking it's... What's, what's the most average game you can think of off the top of your head? most average game i can think of yeah i only play good games <laughs> yeah that's a good point <laughs> i i mean like i'm leading like a five or a six because there yeah. are a lot of flaws that dampen the experience like i said it's the crumpled up jacket sleeve but at the same time i had a good time with it and it's fun it's not like i wasn't having fun at any well there were some points i wasn't having fun but if i wasn't having fun i could just leave and go to a different section for me, in and Six. my my personal tastes, I give it a seven out of eight because it is what I want with a game. Um, a lot of the a lot of the critique 
and the upsetness people had when it first came out, I think, was a result of it being really overhyped. People were not only excited for the game, but there's a lot of talk about this being the the return of the collectathon in a whole new genre. So the game had a lot to carry on its shoulders when it came out, and when it didn't turn out to be the most perfect game in the universe, <laughs> like you know, like the rest of the whole gaming community, it just gets trashed on for a while because. Yeah. I, I mean, looking back now, it's a game worth playing if you liked Banjo-Kazooie, if you like Collectathons, if you like 3D platformers in general and are dying for something to play. But if you don't have that nostalgia and you're not a big, I just like a solid 3D platformer, you, you can probably skip it, in yeah. all honesty. It is one of but, the 3D platformers of all time. Very much so. <laughs> <laughs> an, an overall pretty good one. It's, it's gorgeous. Looks beautiful. I mean, we talk about big AAA games. This is a double-A game. Yeah, yeah, that's a good this way is, of putting this it. Is, it's just one step below first-party Nintendo. If, if I the, still think it's if, solid. If the same game had AAA development and resources, oh my it God. would have been incredible. I mean, if you fix all the gripes we talked about, you got a perfect game. Mm-hmm. You fix all the things we don't like, it'd be good. Yeah, in, in terms of like the... <laughs> The actual core game design, you know, the stuff that's really hard to change, it it nails it for the most part, except for some of the mini games, which is just a matter of get rid of those. I mean, not even get rid of them, make them feel better to control and less confusing. Mm-hmm. Like, the on rails cart section still three dimensional, and you have a shoot feature, but like if you go around a curve and you see that there's something you're gonna need to shoot, it shoots it off into the distance instead of where you need to shoot it, and yeah. that's just flawed like there were there are a lot of flaws that could easily be fixed felt like they needed to play them for 20 more minutes and then be like is this actually good but i think that about ties up our conversation on ukulele anything else you need to get out there not much else i think i got it all out there it's a it's a game that i personally really like and i understand that's not for everybody if you're the kind of person who likes 3d platformers or you tend to agree with my opinions on what's a good game then definitely check out this game. It's a it's a fun one to play. And if it's I don't think it's full price anymore. I think you get it for like twenty or thirty bucks. So at that price I think it's, it's still at about forty. Yeah, and if forty is a bit much, if you see it for thirty or under, definitely grab it. It's worth it. All right. Well I think that's gonna wrap up this week's edition of the Analog Sticks podcast. Again, if you haven't already, rate, review, like, follow, subscribe, comment. Do the engagement stuff. It really helps. We're, we're still growing it, and it, it, it helps. I'd appreciate it. In the meantime, for myself, Rusty Nails, and my good friend and co-host, Cody, thank you guys all very much for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. See ya.